0: Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back,
1: Charlie. Hello. I'm Captain Captain of The U.S.S. Forfeiture. I'm Captain Captain Janeway. The U.S.S. Forfeiture. Do it. I'm Captain Do
0: it. Do it. Captain... Welcome to the Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison.
1: I'm Adam Pranica.
0: Adam. I had an experience today... That I cannot get out of my head. I cannot stop thinking about.
1: I can't wait to hear this.
0: It's going to be hard for me to think and talk about Star Trek if I don't get this off my chest.
1: Is this a bad thing that happened to you? Because that's how I think about bad things. They just <laughs> they just assault my mind. Well, I'll. I'll uh, I, I want you to weigh in on that.
0: Okay. I. Many people know, Love That Chicken at Popeye's.
1: You're not even going to try to sing the jingle?
0: <laughs> Come I, on, I, man. I love that chicken, chicken at Popeyes. Popeye's.
1: It's one of the great jingles.
0: I, I, I've been a good boy lately. I've been, uh, you know, mm-hmm. making all my dinners and making all my lunches. All I had yesterday for lunch was coleslaw. I made myself a big coleslaw. What? Yeah.
1: That's not a meal. <laughs> like, did you add a protein to that?
0: I put some, uh, some sardines on top Some tinned some <laughs> fish <laughs> I was trying to think of like What would Adam Ragusia do at a time like this?
1: <laughs> Make good choices? <laughs> that is exactly what he would do
0: It was good, it was actually really good I made it with this, uh Like a kind of olive oily dressing With this, uh, herbe de Provence Olive oil that somebody gave me as a mm. gift Mm-hmm and uh, it was delicious. Um, but today I was feeling a little naughty. I was feeling spicy. And I decided that uh, I would have Popeye's fried chicken for lunch. And oh, you've I, earned it. You've earned it, buddy. I, I do not have many apps on my phone in general. But one app I do have is the Popeye's chicken app. And I put in my order to the Popeye's app. And I walked down to the restaurant in my neighborhood
1: Love that walk to Popeyes.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is another reason I can afford to do this. Taking a nice walk to get it. Yeah, probably half a mile from my house. Yeah. So, uh, I go in there. There's kind of a lot more people in there than I'm used to seeing, and the the drive-through also appeared to be quite busy.
1: What's the time of day on this? So
0: this was like um like right on the dot noon oh. visit to Popeyes. And uh, Guy and I kind of got there at the same time, and I offered to let him in first, but he insisted that I go ahead of him because I had actually put my hand on the door first. Uh, So he got in line behind me inside the restaurant, and there's probably three or four other people waiting in front of us.
1: I feel like you're about to describe a robbery, like with this level of detail. (laughs) I'm trying to lock in every part of this story you're telling. I bet you could cut down on the hero factor in a place like this. A guy comes in in a huff,
0: and a couple of old ladies come in right behind him. And this guy goes like, what's going on? Have you guys all ordered? Who's, all, who's ordered? Who among you have, have ordered? And... We're all like, no, we're all waiting. We like nobody has even talked to like there's nobody even standing at the counter yet.
1: Yeah. Like yeah.
0: the the staff is swamped. They're totally getting buried right now. Uh-huh. And this guy goes, All right, well, I'm behind this guy. I'm gonna use the bathroom. And he like starts marching off in the wrong direction for the bathroom. <laughs> and he's like, Where the where the hell is the bathroom in this place? And he turns around and he goes and finds it.
1: Love that bathroom with papas.
0: Two different bathroom doors. He tries both of them, both locked. And he's like, what is going on in this place? And he goes up to the counter and I'm probably the only person in this entire story that isn't fluent in Spanish. So most of the time when he was speaking in English, it seemed to be for my benefit specifically. (laughs) (laughs) But I have enough Spanish that I could pick up from context clues, the gist of what he was saying a lot of the rest of the time. But he starts kind of like getting at the You're staff. You're there looking
1: like the Mexican Wolverine. My name is Jeff. <laughs>
0: he's he's like yelling at people in the kitchen, like like leaning his head around to see the people in the in the window at the drive thru like trying to get somebody's attention. He's like, "Hey, man, I really need to use the bathroom." Finally, gets like a guy has to like stop cooking wash his hands, go get some keys, and come out from around the counter to key open the, the two bathroom doors. Whoa. Or, or I guess he only opened the one because there was only one open after this. So uh, this guy has made just such a scene. Like, I was already, like, wildly impressed with him just, like, making it the guy behind me's responsibility to hold his place in line. Like, hey, I'm behind you. If anybody else comes in, I'm still behind you. Like, it was literally a thing he said to this guy.
1: Of a line that's like three people long, I I find that kind of hilarious. <laughs> like, it's amazing. What's the worst that's going to happen? Well, How many places in
0: line are you going to lose? So these old ladies had come in, and they were also asking about the bathroom. Uh-oh. And this guy gets the bathroom key to open for him. He goes in, and everybody in the restaurant is treated to, Oh, yeah, woo! like for five sustained minutes and still nobody has like come to the counter to like see who needs to order or who is waiting on a web order, who has an order number. The old lady uh, who wanted to use the bathroom starts laughing hilariously. And she's like, I don't know if I want to go in there after him. (laughs) And I said, yeah, I I think I think it might not be worth it at this point. He should have let you go first if that's what he was going to do. And she was like, "He's very rude. He's very rude." And she starts talking to her uh, companion in Spanish, and they agree to leave and go to Pasadena <laughs>
1: <laughs> to the Pasadena Popeyes. I guess so. I don't know where they. They just
0: they left the restaurant at this point. Like it was too much for them. Were
1: you thinking about bailing out of this line? Seems like it's not happening.
0: Here's the thing, I'm pot committed. My order is in. I have a uh, yeah. I have an a, a web order number. All I'm there to do is announce myself to the staff.
1: Yeah, you're not there to order, you're there to pick up.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> This guy finally comes out. He's in like much better mood uh you know is standing not in the line but like reminding everybody that comes in and goes out like where his spot is in the line
1: oh yeah good idea and then
0: just makes it his business to like keep on the staff keep hounding them to like get somebody up to the front register so that we can get things moving and like a couple of them explained like yeah we're really in the weeds right now like you know we're a little short staff today and he's like, starts doing the like, yeah, I heard if uh, you have to wait more than five minutes for your order, the chicken's free. <laughs> like oh, everyone loves to hear that <laughs> as a joke. <laughs> a guy, another guy comes in, opens the door to the kitchen. Oh, like a civilian goes into the kitchen area to ask for the bathroom key. Like he went behind the counter into the kitchen to ask for the bathroom key. This first guy, standing in the waiting area, goes, Hey man, I left it unlocked for you, but uh, you might want to give it a few minutes to, to clear out. I did a real nasty one in there. Do not go in there. I did a nasty one. Woo! <laughs> this guy goes and tries the door and just wordlessly leaves the restaurant.
1: You can't announce what kind of bowel movement you took in there. <laughs> You're going to disgust somebody. He just, he left the
0: restaurant without ordering, without saying anything to anyone. <laughs> but there's
1: a second bathroom.
0: <laughs> there is, but it's not unlocked. So I'm I'm presuming second bathroom was like out of order or something. But uh, boy, like it was just such a scene. And I think the thing that I wonder about with this guy is there's so many people that are like, I don't even go poop if it has to be a public bathroom. Like I save it till I go home, you know, like. They're very uh, very unwilling to relieve themselves in that way in a context where it could be known to other people. And this dude was so unburdened by that kind of
1: thinking. And I feel like I admire it almost. <laughs> Wasn't it Kurt Vonnegut that was like, you know, the best part of life is like going to buy stamps because that's an adventure. You know, like you get to meet people. <laughs> you get to hear their stories. You buy uh-huh. your stamps, but like the, the task isn't the stamps. The task is is like going on a premise walk or whatever. Right, right. This is what you got to do. You bought your stamps, but you came home with a story. Yeah. Did you ever get your Popeyes? Yeah. And it was delicious. Love that story from Popeyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh so. What's your Popeye's order? I'm sure FODs want to know that too. Oh, you know,
0: I usually get just, like, the bone-in, dark meat, spicy chicken,
1: Mm -hmm. but uh, I got the chicken nuggets today. I only ever get Popeye's at the airport. Oh, yeah, well. If I come across one. If there's a Popeye's
0: at the airport, we're stopping, for sure.
1: Yeah, that's a pretty good deal at an airport. Not all of them have a Popeye's. No,
0: not every airport is that lucky, but, um, yeah, it's good chicken. Anyways... um, was this a bad story or a good story? Like, would you say that this was a, a comedy or a tragedy?
1: Oh, it would be a tragedy if you left without food. Yeah. So it's a comedy. As told, I, th- I think it's a comedy for sure. Yeah. But like the great comedies contain a, a morsel of tragedy. Sure. In there sure. too. Tragedy and time really is what I've heard. <laughs> tragedy, time, and stamps really is what Kurt Vonnegut would describe as, right. as a story.
0: Yeah, I think Marcus Aurelius basically said the same thing. uh,
1: (laughs) Marcus Aurelius did write Slaughterhouse-Five because it had the Roman numeral five, right?
0: (laughs) Slaughterhouse-V, yeah. Uh People loved that one. (laughs) Um, Do you want to get into a series of plays that uh, maybe be even more inspired than, than my little
1: tale today I can hardly wait, Ben, to talk about Star Trek Voyager Season 6 Episode 22 The Muse Rebirth course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes I'm not turning
0: around <laughs> I saw this as muse in a couple of places Oh,
1: just, just the one word?
0: Yeah, hmm. I think on IMDB it's listed just as muse
1: Hmm. Not search engine optimized if it's that Because you're going to get right, a lot of yeah. band stuff
0: yeah, you need the definite article.
1: Yeah. Monks have taken a hold of uh, BLT's private logs in this cold <laughs> open.
0: <laughs> One of those monks was the Klingon ambassador from the Star Trek films.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. God, I did not notice that. I see we have a long way to go. I couldn't take my eyes off of the, the guy who looked like Andy Sandberg. <laughs> <laughs> Kellis to me like red as either Andy Sandberg or uh, that the lead singer of Incubus.
0: <laughs> yeah, if Sandberg and the lead singer of Incubus had a baby, Kellis would be the result.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah, so this is uh, Captain's Log as done in the style of Greek play. date 53896. There's the chorus and then there's the the players. They're they're telling this story about how BLT crashed on the shores of their land in the Delta Flyer after putting Harry Kim in an escape pod.
1: It's pretty interesting to watch a theatrical performance of a log. Yeah. And the things that they determine are the important parts of the story and and the parts sufficient to act out. Like people playing the wave, <laughs> you know, that's neat. Yeah. There's there seems to be a very important audience member, a VIP even in the audience. And uh he's talking during the play. Talking very loudly indeed, actually, mm. uh, in demanding another chapter to this story. I guess that's a good review, right? If you if you do a play so well that someone demands more. Yeah. And they're paying for it. It that's basically encore, right? That's what this guy's saying. Yeah,
0: I like that this guy, like everybody's so afraid of this guy that nobody applauds until he yeah. applauds. Like, yeah. uh, does the patron like it?
1: This is what standing ovation energy is at the end of shows. Like, is anyone going to do it? I guess there's like, there's always like a tipping point, right? Like three or four or five isn't enough. The dam does have to burst. You need like a couple rows
0: yeah. to set it off. They do set it off. Yeah. People fucking loved this shit. And the patron guy loved it so much that uh yeah, he's he's demanding a follow-up, a sequel. And Kellis, the poet, who has been part of the stage performance, he wrote it, but has also sort of put himself at the center of the story. Is like, yeah, I mean, like, I could do it, but uh these actors need
1: to eat, man. Yeah, I mean, we're we're like putting two inside one trench coat to, like, play different sizes of folks. Like, (laughs) you know, uh, some Popeye's takeout might really (laughs) solve our problem here.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, I'd love to keep doing this story, but if it keeps going this way, I'm going to have to do all Little Rascals-based stories.
1: What do you guess is the situation financially for the players and the guy with the cash? Like, because it would seem as though this is like a tip or whatever, but like, is this a free performance most of the time? Uh, I mean,
0: yeah, like he pulls, it's like the wife's necklace, right? That he uses to, to supplement the pay. Oh boy. Is his cash all tied up in jewelry? Is he like that illiquid?
1: I don't know any wife alive who would be okay with that.
0: Yeah, well. It was a different time, Adam.
1: Yeah, the the Bronze (laughs) Bronze Age Age. was a different time. (laughs) Backstage, this guy, Kellis, makes an announcement. They're doing another Voyager play, and they've got money to buy food for the after party. Our patron salutes you.
0: And they got uh, a week to do it. These actors are getting paid, but they're not getting laid, Adam, because (laughs) Kellis is... Pretty stressed about getting the script together in time for the patron to watch next week's performance.
1: You see this all the time, your theater couples, hmm. you know, just in it during the project. Things get very hot.
0: Drama club is one of the horniest things you can get involved with. Oh, yeah. Shall we celebrate the two of us? I have very little time. Celebrating will have to wait. Poor lady, though.
1: Up on a mountainside, the crashed hull of the Delta Flyer is lit by candlelight. The candlelight makes it look pretty, but it does not look like the Delta flyer is gonna fly again.
0: It does look a bit like the set of, like, a goth music video from the late 90s, when the camera finds Kellis coming inside.
1: I didn't often ever have a reason to dutch my angles, but I really thought a lot about starting here, how much work you get out of the sense of a crash based on a camera being at an angle the entire fucking time you're inside the Delta Flyer, you know? And it doesn't have to be by a lot. And it's not like uh, Roxanne Dawson is like leaning over in a weird, unnatural way. She's walking around this like normal. It's just camera angle. It's all camera angle.
0: They did not tilt the craft at all. And you can tell that by the way that the candle flames are angled. Bingo. They are also tilted. But yeah, it's super effective. It, it yeah. really does make it seem more broken down than they probably actually had to make it in set dressing. He approaches her with a knife and uh, she whacks him. I mean, her hands are bound, but she, she baps him back really hard. And uh, he identifies himself to her as her servant. My servant.
1: What mean? <laughs> All right. Then let me go. I think you need the right tone right off the bat between these two characters. And I think they do a good job in creating that, right? Like, it doesn't really feel like BLT is in real danger. Like, she's tied up with with ropes that it doesn't appear as though she's tried very hard to escape. He seems, like, very gentle as, as past people go. Like, he, he's right. kind of got that past person quality of, like, how much of a threat can he be? He's a fucking past <laughs> person, you know? <laughs> and, like, when she begins to recognize the sort of personality she's dealing with, she sort of understands how much smarter she's got to be than this guy. Yeah. The power imbalance that's in play here, because he clearly needs her for shit in a way that's got to make her believe that her life isn't in danger. I mean... She's also just
0: confused because she's like, you know, I'm not I'm not really into the like shibari or whatever, but like I've listened to enough Dan Savage that I know it's usually the servant that's tied up and not <laughs> and you know, it's like you've got some of these things reversed. Now take that knife of yours and cut me free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He believes that she is an eternal and he's been trying some of his bronze age medicine on her. She's got all these scrapes and cuts on her forearm that are his attempt to break her fever. He believes that the best way to let the heat out of her blood is by cutting her open. And she gets him to go into a med kit and get a light to wave over all of these cuts that he's done on her. And uh, this is just more proof to him that she is some kind of godlike creature.
1: I couldn't help but laugh because... like. BLT is very patient at teaching Kellis how to wave a light over her scrapes. But then Kellis afterwards, like, walks over to the hi fi and starts playing logs, like mission logs. <laughs> <laughs> like, he owns the place. <laughs> How'd you know how to do that, Kellis?
0: Yeah. We're just lucky he didn't find the ooby dooby music.
1: <laughs> I mean, did you presume that BLT taught Kellis how to do this or that this was their very first? Like, this wasn't their very first interaction. Uh, this was confusing.
0: Yeah, I think that she was just so feverish, maybe, mm. that she doesn't remember. But, yeah, she's like she's been there for quite a long time. She's been there for more than a week in this state, but is just kind of coming to, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. Kellis describes BLT as a gift which I think might be nicer than anything Paris has ever said to her in many seasons. <laughs> I thought they were going to fall in love at this point. Like, I thought this would be the the beginning of something. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I thought for sure once once he cut her ropes, she would embrace him and thank him for, for saving her.
1: I mean, he, he cuts her ropes and then shoots his own. <laughs> Is, is the sequence there, right? I'm mm, going to shoot. I'm mm, going to fucking shoot.
0: Except for, again, they get everything all, all backwards because she's the one shooting. Yeah. Yeah. She grabs a dust buster, demonstrates its awesome power to vaporize trees, <laughs> tells him to get lost and uh, and don't come back.
1: Kelly is like, is that supposed to scare me? Like, you shot a tree with a tree shooter. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it's enough to scare him off. Off he goes, and the next day you see the Delta Flyer in the light of day, and looks pretty bad. Looks like it's going to need a couple weeks in the body shop. Ben, give us a body shop update. Get your car back? They said maybe tomorrow. God damn
0: it. Yeah, It's been a really long time. It's fucking bullshit.
1: Yeah. The problem here is the communications. BLT is trying to get those things up, but there isn't enough power to do it. And uh, she hears Kellis call to her from outside. He gets to come in because he's got food. This is another scene where it just feels like he's too dopey to be dangerous, right? He's trading snacks for stories. How much can he afford, though? Like, what was that necklace worth? Because, like, he was saying that,
0: like, the actors were starving, basically, at the beginning of the episode. Now he's got
1: food to spare. I mean, or he doesn't, because you need something... To get the sense of how important the muse is to Kellis, right? Like maybe he's sacrificing his own food to get some of these great stories out of her.
0: Maybe so, yeah. So he starts asking her about, you know, Earth and her her story. He's just super curious about, you know, what brought her here. You know, what's the premise of the of the show Star Trek Voyager?
1: Maybe you could tell me about uh, Earth. And there was this other planet I read about in the logs. How do you how do you say uh coo noosh? <laughs> Is that how you say it?
0: <laughs> She's like, Yeah, that's actually pretty close.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, foreign languages sound better when it sounds like you're kind of doing an impression of the foreign language, and you mm-hmm. really nailed it there, Kellis. Good job. Yeah you got to be
0: careful with that, though, because you can kind of take it too far, and then it feels like you're sort of insulting the people from that place. Yeah.
1: Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Do, it. do it. Do it. Great first episode or bad first episode to someone just coming to Voyager. <laughs> I feel like she's pretty concise with uh, yeah. the Voyager origin story.
0: Also pretty concise with her relationship status with Tom Paris.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, I think she's saying what we've believed for a long time, is that things are fine. They're fine. Yeah,
0: yeah, but not really moving in a hot and heavy direction, are they?
1: No. Are you in love with him? No. Nope. Supper is over. I mean, don't even talk about it is BLT's opinion, and by candlelight they go into the back area of the flyer, And uh, she shows them where they share their memories. I love this description of the computer. Yeah. It's great.
0: And they grow stronger from the sharing. Yeah. (laughs) She shows a schematic that he recognizes as Winter's Tears, but uh, she knows as Dilithium. Mm -hmm. And he already knows that Dilithium is the thing that she wants and needs from her logs. So he's like, yeah, like, I I mean, there's some uh, on the patrons hunting grounds, which... Uh, is no good to you or me because it's uh punishable by death to to trespass on those grounds, so too bad and she's like, You better fucking get that or I won't tell you any more stories about where I come from.
1: naming dilithium winter's tears is like calling that marshmallow fruit salad ambrosia. it's just like <laughs> it's a very flowery description for something that uh that isn't that great. <laughs> Wow.
0: I just got a, a letter from Max Fun. They said the entire Midwest unsubscribed
1: to our podcast. God. I mean, I grew up eating ambrosia salad, <laughs> I've had a lot of it. Wow. It's okay. And you're here today to tell the tale. <laughs> Were you an ambrosia salad
0: family? What's your guess about that, Adam?
1: How about no? Have you ever had it might be a better question. Never had it. Never even had an
0: opportunity to have it. I've never been anywhere that it's being served. I've only seen it in movies.
1: Holy shit. Oh, we're going to fix this. We're going to fix you right <laughs> up.
0: Sorry, man. The The Midwest leg of the tour is basically over.
1: Oh, no. I, I think what's, what's as close to the Midwest as we're going to get coming up? I guess
0: St. Louis is in the Midwest. We'll St. Louis, Louis has
1: ambrosia salad. I guarantee it.
0: Yeah, but they make it with provolone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone's got their regionalisms. <laughs> uh,
0: so, this is kind of kind of quick, right? Like we cut to him coming back wet from <laughs> his trip to the hunting grounds with a a big old hunka and she's like, "Great, dilithium. Just what I needed." And she starts fiddling with it we cut to like later the next day where he's meeting with all the actors and talking to them about uh about the next play that they're going to be mounting. They only have got a week to do it.
1: Seems like a pretty great deal. You just bring some ambrosia salad to the uh <laughs> to the Delta Flyer and in exchange you get a great story out of it. Mm. And you get to eat. Yeah. That's called a potluck, Adam. Yeah. Really is. I was wondering for a long time what was going on on Voyager. The answer to that question is next. Uh, We see the very end of a McLaughlin group. Auto time. Bye-bye. That is so good, Harris never wants it to end. That's it?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, talk about leave them wanting more. Janeway basically drops the mic at the end of his McLaughlin group, and they're like, no, keep going. Encore. (laughs) Kim is conspicuously absent from this McLaughlin group. It's true, and they're uh, you know talking about a planet by planet search. They're talking about what they can do to to find the Delta flyer and the missing crew, and uh, you know everybody clearly wants a solution to this, but nobody has one yet. And Tom Paris is is pretty heartbroken here. So it seems like uh, his side of the relationship is going great. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's really, uh, I mean, you want to talk about great acting Paris acting like he cares about finding <laughs> BLT here <laughs> Incredible performance I really I really felt his, his trauma here The
0: girl I'm hugged up with and the guy that is my primary competition In the stickman department on this ship yeah. Are both gone yeah. This is incredible for me The amount of sympathy sex alone
1: I really wish there was a little bit more made out of the danger of using Voyager to do the search. Like, there's talk of a of a spatial eddy that's dangerous mm. that could threaten Voyager itself. But this idea, like, most of the time we cut back to Voyager, Voyager is just sitting on its ass. And people are looking at iPads and stuff.
0: Yeah. Do you think that's why Paris is so upset? Is it, like, his ship, the Delta Flyer, is missing?
1: I wish there was more of that, too. <laughs> this thing is fucked up. Well, no time like the present
0: to cut to a play rehearsal.
1: Yeah. So this actor that we saw in a previous scene, who has the hots for Calus, is getting some stage direction because she's doing it all wrong. She's
0: playing Seven of Nine, but she's not playing Seven of Nine As scary Borg's lady, she's playing her as nervous bride on her wedding day. Yeah. And
1: uh, that's just not the energy that this scene needs. If you're a director, this is what you need to do. Even with folks in the cast, you might be fucking. Like, you got to give them good, concise direction. (laughs) I thought Kellis did a good job here.
0: Have you seen the video of Michael Sarah, like, doing a scene from Knocked Up? Like, he's with the lady from Knocked Up, and it's like, behind the scenes of them getting directed by Jed Apatow. Mm-hmm. And it is part of apparently like a very long con that Michael Sarah has been doing on Hollywood to create the reputation that he's super hard to work with. <laughs> and he basically has like a meltdown in front of the entire crew and Katherine Heigl and Judd Apatow because he thinks Judd Apatow is directing <laughs> his dog shit. And he's like... Everybody here wants to know what you mean, Judd, because you tell me to do the thing, I give you five perfect takes of that, and
1: then you're giving me notes? What the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> Said in, in Michael Sarah voice. Right. Yeah. <laughs> do you need a break? Are you having a hard day? Oh, that's bullshit. What a prince. Yeah, so
0: good. The rehearsal does not go well, Enterprise, and pretty soon, Kellis is back on the Delta Flyer where... DLT is hard at work engineering, and he is talking about how he's having a hard time wrapping his mind around what motivates Eternals and why they act the way they act. And she's like doing her best to kind of keep him at bay while she fixes her ship. But she gets power up and running and then tries to add this hunk of dilithium that he brought her into the dilithium lunch tray. And uh, looks like it's going really well until she orders the subspace transmitter to be brought online, and uh, we get a big Star Trek bang.
1: Do you think someone from the Bronze Age is going to be really impressed by a shower of sparks here? Oh, yeah. He's like, you
0: like you didn't even hit that with a, a blacksmith's hammer. Yeah. Amazing.
1: <laughs> I was kind of expecting a bigger react from Kellis. I mean, at this point, he's seen a
0: wound healed by an object that wasn't touching it.
1: Yeah, a spark... Sucks shit compared to that, right?
0: Yeah. I would have pocketed that uh, med kit device if I was him. Oh, yeah. I wonder if they accounted for all their equipment before they left at the end of this
1: episode. (laughs) I mean, but it's so wide and short. Like, he just puts that in front of his robes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think think his girlfriend's going to like
0: that. You're saying that the medkit device is a chode? (laughs)
1: Mm-hmm. That is what I'm saying.
0: Size 54, waist, 10-inch, legs, fucking junk. Okay.
1: BLT is super frustrated by this. She needs some metal, and specifically she needs Kellis to go get that metal. Yeah. But Kellis digs in his heels. He wants to know more about what Vulcans are like first.
0: I love the question, do you people have alloys?
1: (laughs) Alloys. Which ones can you make?
0: This is a great question, and he he
1: should be so excited. He should be like, yes, we just invented that. It's called bronze. (laughs) We named our entire age after this. It's amazing. (laughs) We're we're super pumped. (laughs) The exact opposite of pumped is what Tuvok is in the mess hall. I think Tim Russ's performance of tired Tuvok is incredible.
0: Yeah. As a Vulcan, I can function without sleep for more than two weeks.
1: In an episode that brings some
0: overt discussion to what a strange task it is to portray a Vulcan, I feel like Tim Russ like really brought his A-game to this episode especially. Yeah. And yeah, Neelix is trying to convince Tuvok that after nine days of being up looking at scan data to try and find some indication of where the Delta Flyer might be, maybe eight hours of Shed-Eye would do him some good. Do you think Neelix is pouring him trucker tea?
1: (laughs) Oh, like a little crank dissolved in it or something? Oh, yeah. There's something in that tea. (laughs) That's what I think.
0: (laughs) Tuvok takes a sip and he's like, I feel. It is zesty, isn't
1: it? I drove eight hours in a single day last weekend going to visit my parents. And by the end of that drive home, I really understood the need for trucker speed. Like, if all you need to do is stay awake, keep your eyes open, and keep it straight between the lines. Yeah. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) I understand. I've got to get that.
0: Latinum. Get that. Roll metal. I've got to get that. Latinum. Are you selling a heist?
1: Gold. A good time so often has a downside. Doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on, You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet, personalized to your aesthetic, that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by seven customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you, with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES. To save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain, that's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it. With Squarespace.
0: Back for another game. You know it. What's going on?
1: Just one more week till Max Fun Drive.
0: (laughs) Hard to believe. Me? Oh,
1: nothing. We're all set for Max Fundrive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check.
0: What? Hang on. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. We get another rehearsal this time, uh, it is a character playing Tuvok. And uh, this was, I thought, a little bit troublesome casting, at least for me, because this guy looks so much like Kellis that yeah. in a couple of scenes, I was like, wait, is that Kellis or is that a different guy? Yeah.
1: I really loved how Kellis articulates the idea of Tuvok, the character, yeah. in this really insightful way.
0: That idea that when Tuvok is doing something that would cause someone else to cry. You get the sense that he's feeling a deeper version of the feeling than you would feel, and and suppressing it is really intense. It's really amazing.
1: Kellis is like crying. There's no crying in Tuvok.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes and takes an extremely long pee. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a Popeye's pee. Yeah (laughs) I'm going to choose to believe that that was pee That that guy was doing
0: Yeah, it was a real nasty one A nasty pee, (laughs) specifically Woo!
1: (laughs) You want to let that air out? Yeah (laughs) (laughs) Interrupting the scene is a messenger With a dire message War! It's war! Go to war! Yeah There
0: has been some grave insult brought upon their patron by his rival to the north. Mm -hmm. I like that the patron doesn't seem to get a name check or like even like a he's not like a a duke or a, a king. Like, who the fuck knows what this guy really is to these people?
1: I like that the patron, especially in comparison to the players in the play, kind of seems like the unit of all of them. Like, he is just kind of a fucking dude. <laughs> he's definitely not missing a meal, you know?
0: Right, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's eating. Yeah. And um, the playwright, Kellis, sees a, an opportunity here because while war is imminent, it has not popped off just yet.
1: Back on the Delta Flyer, BLT has continued her work when Kellis brings her some of the medal that she requested but this is real piece of shit metal. Like, this is not going to do it. Uh,
0: (laughs) It was so tragic because it was very clear that this was like money that he really couldn't afford to spend to get her this metal.
1: (laughs) She's like, yeah, it's too dirty and impure. This is like a parent whose kid draws them a picture and, and like the picture is just shitty. It's just the worst. The parent's forced to be like, oh, cool. Thanks for trying. (laughs) Kallus gets really wistful here He's like, you know Can the rat kind of play Stop a war? Am I the Max Fisher of this story? Perhaps
0: (laughs) (laughs) BLT thinks this is pretty silly But um, he prevails on her to help him out And the next scene is him introducing her To all of the actors in his theater company as like an out-of-town playwright who also knows a ton about the Eternals that live on Voyager. And uh, she's going to be there kind of as a script consultant.
1: Speaking of script consultants, if I were a script consultant on this script, I might have wanted, like, you know how how often in a Star Trek story we get like a Star Trek fish put into a Bronze Age water and they stay long enough to get kind of used to it? or they like right. fall for someone or there's like some sort of tension that by the very end, like they, they sort of don't want to go home like they do and they're fine with that. But there's like an attachment has been made sure that makes them feel a thing. I kind of wanted there to be more motivation for BLT to go like, fuck, I'm out of food and you know what? <laughs> I cannot get this communications array going. I might have to live here forever. Like I wish there was some, some of that motivation also.
0: Yeah. I also wished when she got introduced to the actors, one of them would be like,
1: Oh, what's wrong with her forehead? (laughs) Oh! Do all of your people look like that? What (laughs) is going on across the Eastern Sea? (laughs) (laughs) I can't can't afford to be barfing right now. I've eaten so (laughs) little. Oh, that was all of my calories for
0: today. Oh, I've got to get it back up off the ground.
1: I can just feel my stomach walls pressing against each other, but nothing, <laughs> nothing's coming out. <laughs> Blah. Guess who isn't excited to meet BLT? Kellis' theater wife. Yeah,
0: she can read between the lines about what Kellis has in mind here. Yeah. So we get a scene where Callis and BLT are kind of like trying to break story. They have a little miniature of the stage and the set, and he's like moving little representations of the
1: characters around. He's pushing a little like sweet and low packet up her leg. You can't do anything weird on my leg, <laughs> <how you> call. <laughs> to describe the conflict in the play,
0: yeah, I like the part where he like made the Janeway miniature kiss. Another miniature, and then the Chakotay miniature snapped a little itty-bitty pencil.
1: (laughs) They really do have a lot of details here about the crew.
0: One of the old guys that's in the chorus kind of criticizes Kellis' writing skills. (laughs) He's like, more sex. (laughs) (laughs) In my day, plays were much hornier. They weren't trying to be squeaky clean and, and broadly appealing so that they could make money in foreign markets.
1: <laughs> and I guess this is why Janeway and Chicote have that super hot love scene where the masks touch in the next yeah. scene. Let me show you what I've done with Captain Janeway and Commander Chicote. <laughs> Sounds great. That's fun. Oh man. Just a little bloop. <laughs> Just touching masks.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then they spoon masks, like they flip one around and and rest the other one in the cavity of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I bet you do do that. Sweet.
0: Tuvok's not the only one up late at night. Janeway also doing that in her office. Chakotay brings in some info from a passing alien ship that picked up the distress call of the Delta Flyer, but didn't get a fix on where the distress call was broadcasting from, so... They get a little bit more information about them maybe having crashed on an L-class planet. There's coffee in that L-class planet. But also they learn that the escape pod was jettisoned with Harry Kim in it, and that probably means Harry Kim is dead.
1: Janeway's like, how long could someone survive on an escape pod? And is like, uh, you know, 10 days is basically all, all the food and water you've got. And Janeway's like, how many days has it been? She to, is like, I don't know, like two weeks or something. <laughs> Janeway considers this for a moment. She's like, in the academy, they teach you, after the food runs out, to consume the only protein you have on board. <laughs> <laughs> My money's on Harry Kim consuming his ropes. <laughs> 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 and if there's one crew person on board... Who could sustain his own life for two weeks? It's Harry Kim. I lasted 22 minutes. Do you think that would work? Could you jack it enough to sustain your own life? I'm guessing you burn
0: more calories jacking it than you get out of a, a rope.
1: You never hear that in the stories of, like, people who have survived plane crashes or, like you know, alone in the woods without food or water. Mm. You never hear the jacking it stories. Yeah. We survived by everybody giving each other dumb. <laughs> you got to believe that that's a part of the story that, that people are just too ashamed to tell. Right. <laughs> I mean, what are we going to eat our own shit? No way. <laughs> Ropes. <laughs> I didn't like the end of this scene for the lack of urgency of it. like, Janeway just seems content to stare out the staring window. She's taken the ship into more dangerous places before. It does seem that way. Yeah. They're pretty
0: despondent. We kept back to like late night at the theater where BLT and Kallus are still kind of debating the idea of a play that could stop a war. He's really into this idea. He's really, He's going to mount a production that is so persuasive to the patron that the patron will decide not to fight a war with their northern neighbor. And um they're talking about it in the context of talking about the Borgs, and he comes up with the idea of Janeway making peace with the Borgs, and BLT is like, yeah, that's kind of like a disturbingly high number of Voyager episodes, like, in a way that's kind of disappointing, actually. Like, you kind of want them to stay really scary and like a yeah. force of nature that can't be reasoned with, you know, and then... Suddenly there's like one person that has the ability to kind of call off the dogs or whatever.
1: Don't you feel like when you're constructing a story that it feels a little desperate to make the Borgs the enemy? As if you can't come up with an original idea and you just got to like <laughs> lean on the crutch of the Borgs. Hmm. I don't know. And then, and then in order to defeat them, you have to like yank out another one of their teeth. Yeah.
0: BLT goes back to the Delta flyer for the evening, and the uh, that jilted actress is there. She's found the ship, and yeah. uh, she threatens BLT, and she says, "If you go back to that stage, if you show up on on show night, I'm going to put you on blast, and the patron's going to know you're an eternal, and he's going to use you in his war against the North. Like because you're a, an immortal god character, you will be like a great weapon for him to wield and Unclear, like how he will hold something over B.L.T. to force her to do anything when she's a god, but uh, that's the that's what this lady believes.
1: I really, really wanted Harry Kim to seduce her here. <laughs> that would have been so much fun. That would have been great. Inspiration can't be forced. Get
0: up, Harry. Who are you? I'm sorry to disappoint you.
1: Like another bad idea, girlfriend for Harry Kim.
0: Right, like at the end, BLT takes the stage and she's like, "I don't even care about that anymore because I got a man now."
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> do whatever you want, Kellis. I'm with Harry now. Yeah. No, but when when she leaves, uh, Harry reveals himself to BLT. He's been he's been on the planet the whole time. He crashed about 200 kilometers from here. Did you do the math on this? Because
1: I did. Well, it's like uh, a little over a hundred miles. It's 124 miles.
0: Yeah, that's
1: not too bad. He only walked eight miles a day if this took him two weeks to get there.
0: He doesn't have any equipment. He made it there looking clean and, and well-groomed. I'd say he's fucking impressive as shit yeah. walking eight miles a day. Based on his hair
1: alone, like yeah. which is still in full quaff. He looks great. Yeah.
0: He looks ready to seduce an actress.
1: I think so. i. <laughs> I think something doesn't quite hang together about his story, is my point. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, what does hang together is all of the gadgetry he brought. He brought a tricorder, a phaser, and a transmitter, Mm. which is just what BLT needed. And she gets to work immediately. The next day, Kellis is working hard on figuring out how to end his play. All of the suspense about like how this episode is going to end is about how this episode is going to end.
1: <laughs> yeah. Which
0: I really liked. I like the layered nesting dullness of this episode.
1: Kellis is making SNL, but is unable to recognize that you go on when it's time to go on, not when you think you're finished.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He really wants the sketches in the one o'clock hour to be working. Yeah. And so often they just aren't.
1: Yeah. So often those are my favorites, just the weird ones. Yeah. He does not seem to be of that frame of mind. He is what happens when you put all your creative eggs in one basket. Like the entire theater production is looking to him for a solution to this problem, and he doesn't have it. No. It'll come
0: to me. Don't worry. But it does sort of seem like the patron's just going to kill him if he doesn't put all his eggs in this basket, so...
1: Does it ever really, really feel life-threatening, though? Just something felt off about that tone.
0: Yeah, I don't know.
1: Patron doesn't look like that angry of a dude.
0: He does when he shows up to the play. Yeah. BLT and Harry send their transmission, and then it is performance night, and Callus is like frantically writing scripts, and then he's got scribes that are frantically copying it onto pages for the actors. And like... He is writing the end of this play like while act one goes up on stage.
1: This is terrifying. I actually did get a lot of sympathy stress from this moment.
0: This is like Mulaney in the booth reworking jokes for Stefan on the teleprompter right before they go up in front
1: of Bill Hader's eyes. It doesn't make sense. It'll have to. Yeah. So you know Kellis is going to crush here. But he needs to be sure, so he passes a note to a page, and that page has to give that note to BLT. Yeah.
0: BLT has been warned about not attending the performance, is uh, being summoned. And up on Voyager, Tuvok is in command of the ship. He's in the captain's chair doing a shift on the bridge, and Tom Paris turns around and finds a sleepy Tuvok.
1: I sleep on watch! I like how Paris wakes him up with a whisper. That's nice.
0: Yeah. Well, it's like a dog. You know, you got to be careful about how you wake him up.
1: Right. Right. I mean, if if Paris was like gonna reach out and touch him, he might get neck pinched. Yeah. It wouldn't be Tuvok's fault. It's just a reaction. It's not his fault. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So while like Tuvok is arranging to get relief from uh, Chakotay, they receive the distress call, and it's real. It's real beat up. It's real staticky, but. They've got a bead on where BLT and Harry are, and they know that BLT and Harry are okay, so
1: they head off at top speed to go rescue him. The camera tilts down to the computer display, and Tom Paris is, like, clicking on the dates he has scheduled that evening and just, like, <laughs> deleting and canceling. Just swiping them off of his entire week.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> His group text to the Delaney sisters is like,
1: so good news, bad news. Would you like to delete across all devices? Sadly, (laughs) Paris is like, yes. Yeah. Sucks. Back in the theater, you experience some dramatic license with Seven. (laughs) In that she is the queen of the Borgs here. Yeah. And Janeway knows it.
0: This is sort of the idea that Kellis was toying with, like Janeway making peace with the Borgs and this being an idea that could inspire the patron not to go to war, to do something that rises to Federation values uh, instead. The performer who plays Janeway I
1: thought was really good.
0: I feel like we just noticed her too. Like she's been in the background of a lot of the shots, but like hasn't had much to do and- yeah, she's doing I feel like everybody's like doing a pretty good job of an impression of the character they're supposed to be playing.
1: I think you need that here. Like you can't have the theater suck at doing theater. Yeah, Like they are capable.
0: They are. So uh the scribe with the note for BLT makes it to the Delta flyer, summons her. Harry's like, "Who gives a shit about this stupid play?" and she's like, "I do. I've been here for weeks and I'm really invested now." <laughs> I love the
1: incredulity that Harry Kim <laughs> treats this moment with. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. But uh, we only have enough transport energy for what? And then she's gone. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it.
0: Yeah. So she, she beams herself over to the play and like walks out in front of the crowd. And Janeway is like about to kill Seven of Nine and then decides not to. And this is when BLT like reveals herself and the like jilted lover lady comes out and starts yelling the shit that she promised to yell to the patron. And it really starts to feel like a happening, like some real avant-garde theater because the chorus is like trying to describe what's going on and they're improvising and like eventually the patron decides like, oh, this must be part of the play. Like they tried to convince me that that's the real BLT. That's so clever and weird. (laughs)
1: I like that the patron, for a moment, feels like they're a part of the story, too. Like they're brought yeah. into it. And he can't help but be impressed by like how immersive this whole thing is. Yeah. It's great.
0: Nicely done. You know, he's like giving his review live during. <laughs> and uh, we get our kind of final scene between BLT and Kellis here when the patron sits back down. And it's no longer improv. It's just a sincere conversation that they're having. You know, Kellis is like, you can't go. Like, I need you to keep writing these stories. And she's like, it was inside you the entire time. And he's like, No, like seriously, I would never have come up with any of this shit without you and the and the transporter logs. Like, I am not that creative.
1: Not everyone enjoyed the play, and the camera like pans over to Lauren Boebert giving an over-the-pants hand job. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and then like The camera keeps panning up to a balcony where Statler and Waldorf are. (laughs) And they're like, I've heard of members of Congress, but this is ridiculous.
1: What an unusual ending to this episode, because we don't don't go back to Voyager or anything. Like, the performance ends, and so does the episode.
0: Yeah. You just have to sort of imagine the court-martial for the egregious prime directive violations that have been committed uh, in your mind, you know?
1: I'm just glad you didn't have to eat a week of your own comb, Harry.
0: <laughs> Seems like maybe he did. Maybe that's why it took
1: him so long to get there. Maybe that's why he looked so good when he arrived.
0: <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why, like, the, the front of his hair is, is sticking up so much.
1: <laughs> is that a hair gel? Yeah. Ben, did you like this play, and did you like the episode? You know, I'm really easy to get along long way most of the time. But I don't like bullets, I don't like friends,
0: and I don't like you. I'm just I really like this episode. I love a weirdo like this. Yeah. And it's a kind of episode that would have hit really different in TNG. You know, a TNG character, I think, would have gone about Integrating into the society in a totally different way. Like I guess you could kind of compare this to the data lost his memory and has the radioactive material episode of TNG.
1: And then he has a, a spear go through his chest. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But you know, in that episode, he doesn't know he doesn't know the Prime Directive when it's happening. Mm-hmm. And B.L.T. does know the Prime Directive, but she's kind of not a signatory to it. You know, she is a Maquis. Maquis. And so she is not eaten up by the same worries about that as another starfleet actor and that was like an interesting subtle angle to why this unfolded the way it did and and like the choices that she makes that i thought were it's it's very much subtextual in like almost every scene in this in a way that i thought was really cool and interesting
1: yeah yeah it's it's fun to think about were it to be transposed onto TNG how this would play out and who would have the most fun down there. Yeah. Yeah. I think probably Beverly. I mean, Beverly's like the the playwright of the TNG cast, right?
0: Picard's the orator though. He would have yeah. fucking loved that shit. Yeah. But he yeah. would have been up as he was been so uptight about like you know contaminating the the timeline or whatever.
1: Inspiration's such an interesting aspect to this story. Like it's not just that Kellis is a creator It's that he can only create because of BLT. Right. And that makes their relationship so interesting. Like, I want to know more about this guy. Like, what did he do before BLT? He was clearly talented. It's like superstition, right? Like, he was probably great until he realized he he put on his socks in a certain way that one morning. And all of a sudden, he's got to do it that way going forward. Like, that's what BLT is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She's a stanky pair of socks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I like the episode for how weird it is for sure. I mean, I would be surprised if it would be anyone's favorite episode of Star Trek Voyager because it is so weird. Yeah. But uh, nice to get a a BLT-centric episode again. And uh, I like going to a weird place with weird people and uh, experiencing their lives. And that's definitely what happens here in the muse. The
0: last few episodes have really been strong, in my opinion. Yeah. You know what else is sometimes strong, Adam, are the messages conveyed in the Priority One inbox. You wanna head over there with me? They sometimes are.
1: Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income.
0: Supplemental. Income. Supplemental. Income. supplemental,
1: income. supplemental
0: income. Yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, our first priority one message is of a promotional nature. Goes like this. Bet on football. Play fantasy football? Just like the NFL and want content that weirdly matches the vibe of TGG? The Pat Mayo Experience Pod is the answer. Don't expect to win money betting, though. No one does. All a myth. Subscribe, download, and review. The PME Podcast on Apple and Spotify And in that five-star review, use hashtag FOD and leave a Twitter handle slash email so you can claim the prize. Don't care about football or have a membership already? Review anyway, and for every 100, I'll add another membership.
1: So Pat Mayo is someone that I have encountered on what used to be called Twitter. Oh, yeah? And Pat Mayo is like a sports media personality, like... Pro, whoa! Fantasy sports analyst. No way! Yeah, tons of ratings on Apple Podcasts. Holy crap! We've talked a bunch over Twitter about sports and everything else. Oh, he's that's fun. he's really great.
0: I don't really follow sports, so uh, I have not encountered him. But uh, if I was going to ask a person who a real sports media personality would be, you are who I would ask. So yeah. The Pat Mayo experience has more reviews on Apple Podcasts than us.
1: Oh, yeah. No no doubt. Yeah. Pat, I wish you would uh, invite me to play your fantasy league. I play in in a fantasy football league. I'm not its commissioner. I stopped doing that a long time ago. But I'm playing with a bunch of FODs. Wow. On the line. Always. Every season. A natural Jaeger. Dang. Last couple of seasons, I've been mailing Jaegers out to the winner of this league. It sucks because it's not me. <laughs> How could you mail yourself a Jaeger, Adam? My team name is uh, Kevin's Rashans, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I'm one and two on the season right now. Okay. Just a scrappy team. Doing okay, but not great. I should listen more to the Pat Mayo Experience pod. I think I think they would have some tips for me and who I should get off the waiver wire. So yeah, check that out. A a big, big show from a big, big sports personality and FOD. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. Isn't that fun? You know, every time I learn about a
0: celebrity FOD, I am shocked.
1: Yeah, there are dozens of them. <laughs> <laughs> ben, our second priority one message is from Mock. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, boy, it's been a while since we've heard from Mock. What's new with you? This message is for Ben, Adam, Mike... And Chris Star Shrimp Colgar. That message goes like this I'm looking forward to seeing all of you gentlemen once again on our annual pilgrimage to City Winery in Boston. Hell yeah.
0: Uh- <laughs>
1: yeah, this message is going to drop 10 days after our show in Boston, that being October 6th. A show I can guarantee will be one of the greats.
0: But it's still before our show in. Austin so if if you wanted to come to something that's that rhymes
1: with Boston you still can hey guess what mock Mike and Chris Darshrimp Colgar you gotta come to Austin yeah hey and check it out if you do I'll put you on the list (laughs) yeah let's just put him on the guest list right now all right we're putting you on the list if you make it out to Austin uh your tickets are on us
0: yeah, I'm adding it to our tour spreadsheet as we speak.
1: It's the right thing to do because Boston sounds like Austin.
0: <laughs> and, you know, you you could be forgiven for getting a little bit confused between the two of them. They're very, very similar cities in many other ways.
1: I think a lot of times we're not enunciating our words on this show. We're, we're saying words that mean one thing when we actually mean them to mean another.
0: I hate it when that happens.
1: Yeah. Adam our
0: final priority one message today is from Jason G from Milwaukee and it's to Ben Adam and Sam and Brad from DC goes like this by the time you read this message we have hopefully enjoyed an amazing time at the DC live show saw you couldn't make it to Milwaukee and decided to join FOD's Brad and Sam thanks to them for their hospitality and thanks for the amazing pod come back to Milwaukee when
1: you can Boy, we heard that a lot in Chicago and Minneapolis. Yeah. Really yeah. grateful the FOD has trucked it out to either of those shows. Indeed.
0: It was great to go to the Midwest, and uh, we sure will see you, Jason, in D.C. Mm-hmm. I guess we will have seen you in D.C. Uh, looking forward to all of the rest of the shows on our uh, Share Your Embarrassment tour.
1: Yeah been such a fun tour so far if you're hanging out with sam and brad uh, i'm sure we'll see you because we're hanging out with sam and brad too oh shit are we yeah our buds from dc what about adam he's not in this message so does jason not know adam is that what you're saying he's gotta know adam the other adam <laughs> not me adam
0: <laughs> all right uh, if you'd like to participate in whatever this is go to maximumfun.org slash jumbotron
1: Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible.
0: Drunk Shimoda!
1: I'm going to give it to John Shuck, the uh,
0: chorus member in the performance troupe who also played the Klingon ambassador in a couple of the Star Trek films. Uh, I (laughs) I love that Klingon ambassador character, and it was real fun to see John Shuck in a different kind of loaf, and also to be reminded that his name is John Shuck.
1: You know, with a name like that, you'd expect his parents to have pushed him into seafood restaurant as a career. Right. No. You would think. Quit trying to make me join the family business, mom and dad. (laughs) It's the theater for me. Yeah. That's a good one.
0: John Sheck had a specific goal in mind.
1: I don't know. My, My Shimoda might be basic, but I think it's BLT for... Going back to the theater once her rescue is assured.
0: Tell the captain I'll be a little late.
1: Belana, Come on. Come on, BLT. Yeah. Couldn't she use a shower? It's been two weeks. Wouldn't she like some food that isn't ambrosia salad? <laughs> wait, wait, what? She's in no hurry. You can tell she is in no hurry to see Tom Paris. Like, that yeah. is not part of her energy at all. What do you think was going on there? Like the <laughs> I mean that was I don't know if we talked much about this, but like when Kellis and BLT's improvised dialogue at the end is like perfectly hand in glove with like for both the play and real life. Yeah. That's a beautiful moment. It's an amazing moment. So well written. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you do it. Theater. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said it that way
0: I I say it that way all the time I I don't know why either but I have a theater And when I walk through it I go The theater
1: (laughs) Just to no one
0: To no one I do it to the theater
1: You know what you To have a theater the way that you do You must You must do that I have to Ah! Adam I'm at uh,
0: Gach.biz slash game Currently uh, in the game of buttholes, the will of the caretaker, we are five squares away from a mornhammered episode and could also hit an nth degree. So uh, pretty exciting time. It's been a long, long time since we've been up here on this top row of the game. It feels momentous to me today. The next episode of the show is season six, episode 23, Fury, an old friend returns with a decidedly unfriendly plot to destroy Voyager.
1: Oh, is this a Cesca ep? A Cesca? A Seska. A Bajoran crewman with a Cardassian physiology. Floor.
0: She wouldn't do something like this.
1: Maybe. You know, it's been a while since Chakotay's had a pregnancy scare. <laughs>
0: True, it's really true.
1: One of our more interesting missions.
0: So I got to uh, set us up here.
1: Yeah, we're on the top row of the game of Buttholes the Wheel of the Caretaker bin. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and roll this bone.
0: You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Keep your fingers crossed. Oh boy, Adam. The tension just keeps ratcheting up. I've rolled a two.
1: Chula! Did I win? Hardly.
0: We are now on the doorstep of that space butthole that goes down to the nth degree square. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a couple squares after that is that hammer So uh, we are in some pretty dangerous territory right now.
1: Incredible. that We remain on the top row, the tippy top. Yeah. On the
0: edge. Or we gotta be.
1: No more bugs. Our uh, pals, Felipe Sobriero, Craig Anderson, and Andrew Wong Hoyer. Fixed up the game. They fixed us up the game.
0: It's working great. Yeah. Adam, we got a lot of people to thank for uh, helping us get to this point in the episode. Couldn't have done it without uh, folks who support the show. And there are lots of ways to support the show. You can uh, join at maximumfund.org slash join You can come see a live show of ours. Mm-hmm. Greatestgentour.com if you want to look for tickets for uh, one of our live shows. Buy some merch at uh, podshop.biz Everything we do has a different website We're scattered all over the fucking internet
1: Yeah, we should have one website That uh, that has all of these links, right? Mm. That's probably a good idea Whose time has come Yeah, I don't know (laughs) You're really right about that support, Ben Going on tour, expensive Making the show, expensive Paying our great producer Expensive but worth it Yeah we're doing it all thanks to the support we get at MaximumFun.org join. Thanks.
0: That producer, Wendy Pretty, without whom we really could not be uh, releasing all these episodes the way we are. She does a great job every week.
1: If you see her online, say thanks, Wendy. She also makes a great ambrosia salad. Is that true? Oh, it's so good. How about new?
0: We also got to thank the great Bill Tilly who... I'm willing to guess Bill Tilly has tucked into an ambrosia salad or two. Oh, yeah. Day.
1: Bill Tilly knows of ambrosia salad. Bill Tilly
0: probably has ambrosia salad references that would, you know,
1: blow your hair back. <laughs> Gonna see him at an upcoming show. It'll be yeah. exciting. Ask him all about it. Follow us on uh, all the social medias at
0: Greatest Trek, Blue Sky, Mastodon, Threads, Insta. We're on all of that shit. Popeyes. The social media site. Uh huh. Got to thank the great Adam Ragusa for making our theme music. Follow his uh, YouTube series. Just search Adam Ragusa over there. And uh, thank to Dark Materia for the original Picard song. With that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager, an episode of the Greatest Generation Voyager where we have to lean on a friend.
1: Uh <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> I think I get it. It wasn't that complicated. <laughs> Wordplay. Make it so. <laughs> Make it so